David was patient. He waited upon the Lord. He even wrote a psalm, Psalm 40. You know this psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. He heard my cry. And didn't God hear David's plea as David was hunted like an animal by Saul? God heard him. He inclined to him. He heard his cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, David says, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God, and many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Some 15 to 20 years earlier, David was anointed King of Israel. As the promise seemed almost fulfilled, David didn't rush in blindly and seize the throne. Instead, he carefully sought the Lord. David knew the promise was from God, so he knew God could fulfill it without any manipulation from David. So David followed the Lord's direction and went to Hebron. The elders of Judah approached him. David knew that it was better to let God lift you up through others than to strive to advance yourself. We should strive to advance God's kingdom and leave the advancement of self in his hands. Now here's Pastor Rob. Amen. And David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron, or to Hebron. Now Hebron was formerly called Kirjath Arba. Kirjath Arba literally means the city of Arba. Do you remember the giants, the Nephilim? Remember Goliath came from the giant Well, this city of Hebron was formerly named Kirjath Arba, which means the city of Arba. And this was, he was the father of Anak, one of these giant, a giant race of people. And they were um, a real problem and probably demon-possessed. They were a terror. They were a terror to all the people. And so this Hebron, if you were to look at a map of the Dead Sea and you were to go right in the middle of the Dead Sea and then go west about 18 miles you'd run right into Hebron. It's about 18, I'm sorry, it's about 19 miles southwest of Jerusalem as well. And so verse 2, it says, David went up to Hebron and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. And David brought up the men also who were with him, every man with his household. And so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed king David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Now, you might want to write some verses off to the side here, because the men of Jabesh-Gilead and the tribe of Benjamin and, and Saul, they have a, an affinity, they have a connection And without going into all that right now, I'd like for you to just write a few things down, and you'll see why the men of Jabesh-Gilead and the tribe of Benjamin, what what was the connection between the two of them? Uh, Just write down a couple things. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11, 
And then Judges, chapters 19 through 21, specifically 21. But those chapters, you look at those and you'll see, and start with the Judges portion first, because you'll see the history going backward, what had happened. And it'll make a lot of sense why there was this deep friendship, this deep camaraderie, if you will, between these two So it says, verse 5, that David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And I love this about David's character, because he not only had great respect for the office of the king of Israel, he not only had great respect for that, for King Saul and his family, but he also had a great respect for the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had respect for Saul and his sons. And again, this man was an enemy to David, and yet David shows this kindness. You'll notice throughout what we've read, he, he didn't put his hand against Saul, ever. He never touched his sons. He didn't want anything to do with it. Even his men wanted to kill Saul at one point, and, 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 and David says, don't do it. Don't you lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Yes, he's hunting me. Yes, it would be nice to have him out of the picture, but don't you dare put your hand against whom God has anointed. David was patient. In God's promises. And that's really our theme tonight. We're going to develop that even further in a few minutes. But he had a great respect for these men. And what did the men of Jabesh Gilead do? You'll recall in 1 Samuel 31, the very last chapter of of 1 Samuel. It says, and this is verse 8, it says, It happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, this is after the battle where Saul and his sons had died, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, and they stripped off his armor, and they sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. And then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths, and they fastened his body to the wall at Bethshan. Now when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men, they arose and they traveled all night, and they took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh, and they burned them there. And then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and then they fasted seven days. And so David admonishes them for their faithfulness and not just letting that their bodies rot there on the wall, which is what their enemies were going to do. They were trophies, and so they were just going to let them stay up there. But they had respect for Saul and his sons. And David blessed them for that. He repaid them for their kindness to Saul and his sons. And certainly Jonathan was among them. And you know, Jonathan and David loved each other as dear friends. So in verse 7 it says, Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead. And also, underline this, also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Underline that line. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. And so we get back to really developing this theme of patience, excuse me, and faith in the promises of God. Let me ask a question. Was David trying to usurp authority here? Was he trying to, out of pride and greed, was he grasping at power? You rightfully did this. You rightfully said no. Because for about ten years... David had been on the run. He's been hunted by Saul, even though the Lord had, a, had Samuel anoint David king. 
David was patient. He waited upon the Lord. He even wrote a psalm, Psalm 40. You know this psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. He heard my cry. And didn't God hear David's plea as David was hunted like an animal by Saul? God heard him. He inclined to him. He heard his cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, David says, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God, and many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. David waited patiently, even though he knew he was a rightful king. He waited almost ten years, and now Saul is dead, and now it's time to go into the palace. (laughs) But the rest of Israel is not with David. Because Abner, his anointing, he's anointed Ishbosheth, Saul's son, his youngest son, to be king. And now the only one, the only tribe of Israel that's with David is his own tribe, Judah. And they anoint him king. And and you know what? David didn't say, oh man, this is just not what, this is not, I thought there was going to be more than this. I wanted the whole thing. I'm just going to get Judah? What about the other 11? He didn't complain. He didn't have a fit. He didn't flop on the ground with a lollipop in his hand and scream and pound on the ground, kick his feet at Walmart with his mother watching in horror. He didn't do it. <laughs> but what did David say in Psalm, 20, or Psalm 27? Again, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That's something that we need to do. We need to wait. We need to learn patience. I am not, I find myself, you know, thinking to myself, wow, I'm really patient. And then the Lord reveals to me by some circumstance that I'm really not as patient as I thought I was. Have you had that happen to you? You kind of like, huh, I'm somewhat of a spiritual giant now. And the Lord goes, oh, just give me a few days. <laughs> and then you find yourself slipping on a banana peel. You find yourself doing something and you're just about ready to blow up because you're so impatient. I find that true of myself. Even Paul, when he spoke to his young protege, Timothy, what did he say to him? But you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, and love. And here it is, patience. Pursue patience and gentleness. What did James tell us in his, uh, his letter in chapter 1, verse 2? He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. And, and wasn't this the life of David? He was being tested, 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 tested. And I think for the, the greater the work that the Lord has for a person, the greater the preparation. David was prepare, or God was preparing David for probably 10 or 15 years after he was anointed already to be king. That's amazing. And David waited. He trusted the Lord. We need to do the same. Has God given you promises? Has God spoken to your heart specifically, special, personal promises? We know the promises in the, in the Word of God, and He's going to be faithful to that, but He even gives you promises specifically to your life, things He's going to do, things He's going to lead you in. Are you, do you believe that? Notice in verse 7, he says at the end there, the, the line I had you underline, also the house of Judah was, has anointed me king over them. Was David again? Was he trying to usurp authority? Was he, trying, was he grasping at power? 
Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I think you know the answer. The answer is no. I'll just tell you the answer, but we're going to prove that by looking at the Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look at verse 11. Remember, this is when Samuel went to Jesse's house. Jesse was David's father. And remember, uh, Jesse or David had seven older brothers than him. And you remember what had happened, how Samuel had got to them, and he looked at Abinadab. He was the Abercrombie, uh, Abercrombie model, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, he wore all the nice stuff, thin, you know, tall and handsome, right? Looked like a beach guy. And God says, nope, I've refused him. That's not the one. And then he just goes down the line, you know, and finally they're like, there's no more sons. Where's the last son? Where's your eighth son, Jesse? Oh, <laughs> you mean David? Uh, he's out in the field. You don't want, you, <laughs> you don't want him. He's, he's, he's out there with the sheep. It's a messy job. Nobody likes it. And he does it, and that's great. But uh, I don't think you really want. And, and God spoke to Samuel's heart, and he said, that's, he says, call him and wait. And Samuel said, I'm not going to sit until he comes. And so he comes. And Samuel said to Jesse, verse 11, in 1 Samuel 16, Are all the young men here? He said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. And then Samuel took the horn of oil, and notice he poured it on him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose, and he went to Ramah. Now this is back, you know, um, a while ago. You know, David's probably, he's, a, he's a, in his teens. He's probably 15, 16, maybe 17 years old, maybe, when this happens. Now turn with me to, to chapter 23 of 1 Samuel. So we see that God anointed, God picked him, God anointed him. Now turn with me to the 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel. And you'll recall that when David was on the run from Saul, Jonathan, Saul's son, whom David had a great friendship with, he goes out to meet David in the wilderness of Ziph, which is just an area where there's a lot of woods and a lot of rocky terrain. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, verse 16, he rose and he went to David in the woods, and he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you, and you shall be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So here David is, or I'm sorry, Jonathan is even prophesying and confirming what God had already done with David and anointing him with oil. Do you see the picture? God is putting together this tapestry of things, and he's putting two and two together. So, was David trying to usurp authority, grasping at power? No, he wasn't. He was simply walking in the promises of God. Walking in the promises of God, then there's no shame or contempt in walking and acting upon the promises of God. I love that. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to fast forward a little bit because we're in the second chapter. But by chapter 7, we're going to see David now finally being king 
over all of Israel, not just Judah, but also all the other tribes. So God here is going to show that he has fulfilled the promise personally to David. And David has been patient all this time. Fifteen years, approximately, have gone by until he finally takes the whole enchilada, before he's king over all of Israel. But it doesn't end there. God fulfills his promise in David. Can you see, that? If you, if you look up here with me, over here is like the promises that God gave to David. And then you see God performing his um, promises to David. And then at the same time, he, God is speaking to other promises that are yet to come through David. I mean, how much better could it be? You tell me what you're going to do, you've done it, and you're also telling me stuff that you're going to do yet in the future. That, to me, is remarkable. Notice what it says in 2 Samuel. And this is what is referred to as the Davidic covenant. This is a chapter you want to star, you want to make um, known to yourself. And this is an event after David had become king over all Israel. He's brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And he was now, um, and again, God fulfilling that promise to him. He brings the Ark in. And then God gives him even more wonderful promises. Let's read just the first um, uh, 16 verses of this because it's an important chapter. The Davidic covenant that God made with David. It says, Now it came to pass when the king David was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, I, have, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark, the ark of the covenant, it dwells inside tent curtains. And so Nathan, being excited by David's zeal, he says to the king, without notice, without inquiring of the Lord, Nathan is caught off guard here too. He's like, David, that's a great idea. That would really honor God. Yeah, go ahead and do it. Do all it's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened, verse 4, that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in the house since the time that I brought the children of Israel out from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you, David, from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and have no more. And shall move no more, excuse me, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people and have caused and, and have caused you to rest from all of your enemies. Excuse me, I messed up that line. Let me read it again. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you, here it is. I'm going to make you a house, David. What do you mean, Lord? I've already got this house. It's made of cedar and it's beautiful. It's nothing like the tent you're living in. I think David was feeling guilty. And I would have too. So he's like, I'm going to build God a house. And God says, don't bother, David. I don't have a problem living in this tent. The heavens of heavens can't contain me. 
I'm not worried about this, but I'm going to build you a house. And God wasn't speaking about a physical home for David. Notice what he says. He says, I will build a house. When your days, excuse me, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, in other words, when you die, I will set up your seed after you. Who is that seed? That's a trick question because both answers are right that you're thinking. What are they? Solomon and Jesus, right? I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Notice. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom Notice, shall be established forever before you. And he says it again, your throne shall be established forever. And so these new promises that God is giving to David, he's going to have to be patient. And some of these promises he's not going to see. Certainly he's going to see Solomon, his son. But in that promise, that covenant that God gave to David... He was also not only speaking of his immediate son, Solomon, but who would be born through David, through the line of Judah? It would be Jesus, right? And his his kingdom would last forever. Solomon would die after 70 years, but not Jesus. His kingdom will live on forever and ever and ever. An amazing thing. But patience and faith in the promises of God. David was patient but not without problems along the way, which is true of us all, isn't it? You recall in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham, it says that Abraham, uh, the Lord spoke to him and says, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so what did Abraham do? He said, no thanks. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seven, or Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. And so they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree, And the Canaanites were then in the land. And notice what happened. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The Lord had appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And so here again, there is faith and there is um, patience in the promise of God. Because God is making him a promise. Making Abraham a promise. To your seed, you are going, they are going to inherit this land. In fact, it wasn't even Abraham. It wasn't even Isaac. It wasn't even Jacob who had possession of that promise. It wasn't until the twelve tribes, and as they went through the promised land and came into the promised land, the promise was for them and their grandkids, their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't see it with their eyes. They had to believe by faith, and they believed. They believed.
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.